I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy. Danielle's in California. Danielle, what is shaking? What's new? Thankfully, not the state. (laughs) 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 Anything new going on? Nope. No. Life's happening. Yeah. Continuing with life <laughs> well that's good i mean that's something worried about, COVID worried about covid again are your case numbers high there they're not high but every day it's like oh you know yeah the whole thing not that yeah. it left but you know oh, it you is know. weird though like once you um, cause we, we haven't had like, um, high case numbers or like mask mandates in a long time, but I never know. So I always just bring a mask anyways. And I went into the doctor the other day and it's a medical facility. Like you have to wear a mask. So when you get like used to not wearing one for a minute and then you put it back on, it's like, oh wait, this is weird. It is weird. I don't, I didn't miss the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I sold a mask today and I have not sold one for months. So it's like, I don't wow. know if that's an indicator of what's to yeah, come. Yeah, it's going to, like, we have um, we have Star Wars Celebration at the end of the month, and they're still requiring masks the whole time, mm-hmm. and I'm, like, not looking forward to four full days. <laughs> like, cause that's going to be a like, lot. I, I wear my mask. I wear my mask. I do. Like, I definitely do. You know, it's not like I've, I've not thrown them all away or anything, of course, you know. But I'm, like, four whole days and it's hot and, like, yeah. ugh, like that's the stuff where I'm, like, oh, I'm going to be miserable. <laughs> you yeah, know? you're going to have but, to, like, find a place to take a break. Like, yeah, go back to go outside step outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They haven't, they, people figured they would change it, you know, close as, you know, things changed, but they haven't. They're like, and a lot of people are, are pissed, you know, that they sure. didn't change it. So, I mean, I get it. It's a convention, all that jazz matazz, but it's like, uh. <laughs> it yeah. Just, it's so nice to not have to t- take a break sometimes. Like, if I'm at the grocery store and stuff, I'll still wear it or like, you know, if I go, you know. I have stopped at the grocery. We have real low numbers, and I've had all the boosters I can get, and my yeah. family of four has somehow made it to 22 without getting COVID. I... Go knock on some wood. <laughs> yeah. I got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, but I'm I just not. I take... Like, you know, some, pe- some places here are still very judgy. Like, you can tell. They're like, oh. Right. You know, you're not wearing it. Like Trader Joe's is like, if you're not wearing it, you're a leper. You know, basically. Well, I that's mm-hmm. expected at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like Safeway, not so much. But you know Exactly. Like, 
And you know, it's funny, like Target, I thought would be, you know, less, but no, it's like full on mass at Target. And I'm like, okay, I'm a weirdo because I didn't wear one. Because it was like boiling hot the last day we went there, like a couple weeks ago now. And I just like, I'm not putting this on my face. I'm not. Like, it's not crowded. I'm so hot. No. You know, (laughs) then I'm in there and I'm like, oh, I feel awkward now. <laughs> like I'm the only one. <laughs> well, I, have, I don't have, and I never have had any problem wearing it where it's required, but it's not really required no. uh, most places here. So like if I go yeah, into a place and I'm not aware that it's a requirement, I feel like a complete asshole. I'm like, I am sorry. This is not, I am not yeah. defying you. I just didn't know. I have my mask. I will yeah. put it on. I oh, am yeah. sorry. Everywhere I had to, even when I didn't have to, quote unquote, outside, I still wore it. So I went, I followed the rules all the whole time, you know, so, but now I'm following the new rule, which is like, if I'm vaccinated, I don't have to, you know, and I'm actually getting the second booster on Sunday. Sweet. So, because I I wanted to do it before the second day. Yeah, I need to schedule the booster for my kids. I think they're eligible now. Do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one day this won't be a thing. I don't know when that day is, but (laughs) one day there won't be a thing. So let's step away from the stress of COVID again two years later. And let's (laughs) let's tell a story. Do you know what I'm covering? What what covering what we're doing tonight with Fear Street? No, I forgot. Did you tell me? I didn't. Ha ha. It was a trick. It was a dirty, nasty trick on my uh... part. Now, tonight, for my Fear Street episode, we will be covering The Sleepwalker. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. Um... I chose this book because it's one of the... Oh, wait, before we get started, do you have snacks or are you just chilling? I have a brownie. Ooh, did you make the brownie? We did. Just out of a box, but we made it. Well, box brownies are good. We made them. Yeah. I will say, though, we usually get Duncan Hines, I think, or one of those. Mm -hmm. And we tried Pillsbury this time, and I will say that Duncan Hines is better. Duncan Hines is superior in their mixes and their cake mixes as well because it requires you to add butter and it makes it so much more moist. All right. Well, enjoy that brownie. I'm going to tell you a tale. I chose this book because it's it's one of the OG books and people like it. I see it pop up all the time on uh, the different Fear Street groups on Facebook. So I figured it's uh, time. I don't remember reading this one. If I did, I completely forgot about it because nothing smacked as, you Oh, know, like read it in your life? Yeah, I don't think I did. So the cover on this one is actually pretty spectacular. It's one of these OG book covers. It's got that kind of almost 80s. It's when the cover used to matter. Like when they used to do amazing mm. cover art for like the, the VHS boxes that would sit in front of the thing you would rent. And that's what would like allure you in to rent the movie. So they used to really invest in that cover art. This is very similar to that. It's a it's like a mix of like shades of blue 
there's a girl in a nightshirt. She's got it kind of hanging off one shoulder and she's walking down this misty, foggy street. And you can see the tops of houses on either side of her. Uh, but when you look a little closer at her feet, you see that she's actually, she's ankle deep in water. And the tagline reads, she isn't safe, even in her dreams. Copyright is Archway Paperback from May 1990, and this is a first edition uh, copy uh, that we're reading out of. And it even has, I posted it on, on the Meads today, it has one of those, like, so order, order program I saw that picture. Back. I was like, oh. Yeah, so, like, you can I check the that. boxes and send it off. There's a space for you to put your Visa card you wanted to do that um so yeah good times good times i was a little concerned that this was going to be a nightmare on elm street ripoff it even looks a little similar to the original nightmare artwork um but it's not so just so you know okay let's do it let's do it hang on my, my daughter just tapped me on the shoulder and now I have to change my pants. Excuse me. What? Uh, I'm glad you finished your homework. You almost killed mom. How? Because I was reading and you crept up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder. Please go away. Sorry. I love you. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm sorry. Did you fart? Did you come in here and fart and scare me and now you're leaving? Maybe. <laughs> what the hell? Oh my god. All she did was to just tell you that she finished her homework. <laughs> oh, adrenaline. <laughs> okay. That was un... Okay. Excuse me. Apologize. Great way to start the show. <laughs> That's the most terrifying thing. So the sleepwalker starts with a prologue. And Stein paints this wonderfully descriptive picture of Myra, right? Who is sleepwalking? She's walked out of her house and onto her lawn. She's wearing one of those long white Victorian style nightgowns that no one really wears. And her long, like, flowing red hair is kind of loose, and it seems to, like, bounce and float around her. Her eyes are closed, and she's walking slowly towards the street when a car turns onto the street from the corner. And Myra suddenly wakes up. She's confused about why she's outside, why her feet are all wet and cold from the dew on the grass. She looks up at her big house and she feels terrified. The house, it doesn't look right. It looks ominous and menacing. And she's having trouble figuring out exactly what, what's happening right now. Like she, she remembers opening her eyes, but something about her environment seems off. Is she still sleeping? Is this a dream? And then there's a fade out, and the book begins. I need a drink now. 
All right. Focus. Um, and the book begins with a time shift. So now this is one week earlier than the prologue. Myra is at the breakfast table with her mom, who is a nurse. At the table with her is also her sister, Kim, who is about 10 years old. Okay. Myra's parents are divorced, and the girls all live with their mother. It's the start of the summer, and Kim is getting ready to start, like, a new day camp while mom works, and Myra has landed a summer job working for Mrs. Kotler. I think that's how I say that. It's C-O-T-T-L-E-R. Kotler. C-O-T-T-L-E-R. That sounds right. Okay. Yeah, it's not a name I've heard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Mrs. Mm -hmm. Cotler, she's she's this like elderly lady. Uh, Myra's mom, who is a nurse, she actually took care of this lady in the hospital like a year or so back. Um, But mom and Mrs. Cotler, they don't get along. Like, I guess Mrs. Cotler hated having her mom as a nurse. Like she tried to get her fired. She said that she was trying to kill her and, like, poison her and, like, kind of acting crazy, which tracks because, you know, Myra knows her mom's a really good nurse. Like, she's she's been doing this for years. It's just weird that some old lady would start making all these accusations. Um, it was not a happy hospital stay for either of them. But somehow, Myra has interviewed and gotten a summer job, and basically what she does is, like, She's been employed to go to Miss Cotler's house. She's going to, like, kind of clean up the house for her, like, help her out. She's going to make lunch. And then she's going to do some out loud reading for Miss Cotler in the afternoons and then go back home. And she's getting a very impressive $5 an hour to uh, be her, like, live-in servant person who does some stuff during the day. Mom figures that Miss Cotler hasn't actually realized that Myra is her daughter, and that's the only reason that she probably got that job. And she says that's fine. You know, they they need to keep it that way so that they don't have any trouble with Miss Cotler while she's working there. And it's a good thing that Myra is working there, too, because their father, who apparently bounced after the divorce, um, he doesn't, like, send them any money. So they really do need the income uh, that this summer job will bring. So mom's actually pretty excited that Myra is going to be working there and bringing home a little money, and the job's not really that hard. Kim gets on the bus for day camp, and mom heads off to the hospital. And Myra starts to walk to Mrs. Cotler's house for the first day. Danielle, can you guess where Mrs. Cotler lives? Beer Street. She does. She lives. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. No, she lives on like <laughs> <laughs> What is what did uh, what did Kenny say? She lives on Nervous Avenue. It's Fear Street adjacent. <laughs> but no, she lives on Fear Street. She lives in the back of the addition on Fear Street. She lives right by Fear Lake, where it meets up with Fear Woods. Right. So now we get a little bit of a time jump. And it's been three days since Myra started working for Miss Cotler. And it's going pretty well, actually. You know, they, they seem to be getting along. 
Miss Cotler is moody sometimes, but she seems to really like Myra. She's constantly complimenting her, telling her, you know, that she's a, a pretty young girl and, you know, how nice her reading voice is when she reads aloud. This afternoon, Myra is making soup for lunch when Hazel, who is Miss Cotler's cat, comes into the kitchen. And somehow the cat, like, swipes at this necklace that she's wearing, this beaded necklace. This is a really strange, like, thing that's happening in the book. First of all, Myra refers to her necklace as, quote, her beads. And so does Miss Cotler when she comes into the kitchen and offers to restring them for her. The wording just seems really weird to me here. Um, but again, maybe that's like a regional thing. Myra was given this string of opalescent beads by her boyfriend, Walker, uh, before his family left on vacation. Myra agrees to let Miss Cotler restring them, and she heads into the large dining room. The big windows on this part of the house overlook the lush woods surrounding Fear Lake. Every afternoon after lunch, Mrs. Cotler takes a nap, usually for like an hour or so, but this gives Myra lots of time to explore the old house. And this house is more like a museum. It's the house of an old lady who has both the money to buy what she wants and also has not thrown anything away in years. But it's not really hoarder style. It's the kind of house that we all dream of exploring, right? It's wall-to-wall -wall bookshelves filled with old and new books, tons of little like figurines and vases and little oddities like carefully displayed in glass cases or on walls or on tables. And you could look for hours in this house and still not be able to fully appreciate each piece in Miss Cotler's like considerable collection. So then, after her nap, Mrs. Cotler and Myra would walk down to the lake shore. Mrs. Cotler walked with a cane in one hand and Myra supporting her on the other side. That day, on the walk, Myra was thinking that she didn't understand why this part of her job was the one that she hated the most. The lake just always seemed to give her the chills, no matter how hot it was. Mrs. Cotler seemed sad and stopped walking, and Myra asked her what was wrong. Mrs. Cotler said that this was the spot where she lost her son, Vincent. He was three and he ran away from her and into the lake, but he didn't know how to swim. She didn't say much more about it and the two went back into the house for reading time. Mrs. Cotler had Myra read Nicholas Nickleby, which is a great story, but it's kind of a beast of a book. So in the late afternoons, were always spent this way, with Miss Cotler sitting straight on the couch in the living room, petting Hazel, and Myra reading aloud. This afternoon, Mrs. Cotler asked Myra to go up to her room and fetch her sweater from the drawer in her dresser. Myra goes up to the room and pulls open the top dresser drawer to find it completely full of long black tapered candles. And Myra lifted one out of the drawer, and they even smelled funny. She was interrupted by a scratch of hazel behind her, though, and quickly she replaced the candle and found a sweater in the bottom drawer. 
But that was weird. I had you worried for a minute there. Right? Like you thought that like Miss Cotler was a freak and she's hiding like long black uh-huh. objects in her top dresser drawer. <laughs> we went in another direction. Sorry. So the work day. Super scary. Hey, listen, she's got a cool house and lots of cool stuff. Like maybe she's just like an, an, an old school boss bitch and she handles her shit. We don't know. We don't know. We don't ask questions. We don't know. So the work day ends for Myra. And she pulls out her Walkman and starts to walk down the street. She's walking along with the music loud and she's just letting her mind process a lot of things. You know, she's been thinking about the weird candles that she found and how the cat screeched at her. She's thinking about how she misses her boyfriend. And she's thinking about her dad and how he's kind of an asshole for just kind of bailing on their whole family. When a hand lands on her shoulder, I can tell you from personal experience, it doesn't feel good. She jumps <laughs> and sees that it's Link. That's L-I-N-K, Link. He says that he's been calling her name for the last block, but that she must have had the music up just really loud. Okay, so let's talk about Link. Link, Link is hot. He's got wavy black hair. He's wearing faded cut-off jean shorts and a sleeveless blue t-shirt. He is super tan. And he's got this very kind of playful smile, right? Myra knows that Link is hot, but she also knows that the problem with Link, like his main problem, is that he too knows that he is hot. Link is a panty melter, right? Not many people say no to Link. But our girl is wise because she has been there and done that. And guess what? She broke up with Link about a month ago. But he won't leave her alone. Even when she started going out with her new boyfriend, Walker, he says that, you know, he just wants to talk to her. He's sure that they could work things out if she'll just give him a chance. And she tells him to fuck off and that there's nothing to say. She doesn't have anything more to say to him. He disagrees. He says that he has more to say about the situation. And she suggests that he write her a letter and yells at him to go home. Have a nice life, Link. And yes, she knows she's being a bitch, but being nice has not worked. Okay, we are now at the point where we cannot give him even the slightest opening or he will literally never go away. So he feels defeated. He almost looks angry. He finally lets her pass. And then he decides, you know, I'm going to switch tactics. He's going to do this thing that men do sometimes when they're rejected, where they feel like if they switch to anger, somehow that will get them what they want. And he's telling her that, you know, she'll be sorry. But by the time she turns around to tell him she's not sorry at all, he has completely disappeared off the street. The next day, Myra, Mrs. Cotler, and Hazel all sit down to read when there's a knock at the door. The exchange that follows is super, super cute. Okay, so Mrs. Cotler's neighbor, whose name is Mr. Kleeg. I believe it's K-L-E-A-G, Kleeg. But Mrs. Cotler, yeah, well, she's, she's fucking with him. She annoys him continuously by pronouncing his name as Clean. She calls him Mr. Clean. Uh, which he hates, right? So he's knocked on the door. He's got a handkerchief in one hand, and he has this, like, a peach in the other hand. And he is pissed. 
apparently, Mrs. Cotler's peach tree uh, that is right along the fence border keeps dropping peaches into his yard. And she needs to do something about it because he can't even mow his yard. And Mrs. Cotler is kind of a bad bitch. She's like, I'm sorry. How would you suggest I keep the peaches up in the tree? <laughs> and the dude's like, down. and the dude's like, well, I'll just cut the tree down. And she's like, yeah, try it, bro. And so, like, they have this neighbor kind of standoff thing. And, and during this, he drops the handkerchief and, like, storms off. I don't think he realizes that he drops it. Mm. And Myra notices the handkerchief. She bends to pack it up. And she says, oh, do you want me to go and follow him and, uh, and give this back to him? But Mrs. Collar just smiles and says, no, dear, give it to me. If he wants it back, he's going to have to, to come back to get it himself. After reading a while, Mrs. Cotler says that she's tired. She wants to go up to her room. And you know what? Myra can leave early today. But after she goes up to her room, Myra notices that Miss Cotler has left her cane on the couch. She picks up the cane and carries it into the stairs and carries it up the stairs to give it back to her. Hazel jumps out of nowhere in front of Myra on the landing of the stairs and she hisses. Myra sidesteps the spastic cat and goes into Miss Cotler's room. When she opens the door, she sees Miss Cotler sitting on the bed and holding the handkerchief from Mr. Cleek. She's facing the wall and it seems like she's asleep, but she's sitting up. It's almost like she's in a trance. So Myra sets the cane down and backs the fuck out of there, just like you should, Myra. Good girl. She goes home that night and is talking on the phone with her friend, Donna. And like all of us, Myra is now convinced that Mrs. Cotler is a witch. So she's telling all, Donna all about how she thinks Mrs. Cotler is a witch and the evidence that she's found to prove that so far. Donna, however, is skeptical, right? She says there's no way. And does Myra really believe that people can do magic and cast spells and stuff? But Myra does. In fact, her new boyfriend, Walker... He is really into, like, psychic ability, and I, I literally wrote barf here. Um, Walker someday wants to be a professional magician. David fucking Copperfield. Like, that is his life's goal. And she didn't say it in a, like, derisive way. It was like... My boyfriend wants to be a magician. So, yeah. Also, um, doesn't Donna remember uh, that Link's sister Stephanie, so her ex-boyfriend sister Stephanie, she was way into the occult when Myra was dating Link. And one time Stephanie told Myra that in order for a witch to cast a spell, she has to have a personal object of that person like a handkerchief that Mrs. Cotler was holding. Donna brushes off this info from Stephanie as just silliness because, you know, Stephanie's always been kind of weird. And then, you know, she thinks all this witch stuff is real because Myra is nervous about seeing Walker for the first time in a few weeks. And she's just kind of making all this stuff up in her head. And Donna confirms for us all that Walker is that hot, weird kid at school, <laughs> right? 
Okay, so he's cute and so nerdy and super weird. Okay, black satin sheets all the way. He is the Zach Baggins <laughs> of Shady Side. Oh, God. <laughs> right? That's not a good thing. <laughs> it's not. But you can't deny that that dude has a nice upper body. He's a I know. guy. It's funny. It's funny, though, like. I'm not going to go on a Zach Baggins tangent, but it's funny because sometimes he doesn't look cute and then other times he looks really cute. And I'm like, what's with your face? Like, why is it that sometimes you're cute and sometimes you're not? He can't wear baseball hats. I don't like yeah. when he wears hats. That's what it is. He needs to always wear glasses and he can't wear baseball hats. And then it's pretty consistently cute, but it's funny. Well, like the one and only episode I've ever seen, they were in some kind of a convent and he like took off his shirt to like make the nuns ghosts agitated. And I was like, all right, (laughs) but it would be so much work. Oh my God. If he could just not talk, it would be okay. (laughs) But the mental gymnastics you would have to do to take this dude seriously would be very exhausting. I know he's dating that Playboy girl, so I wonder how. It's been a while now. Cool. So I think that's a good match. Well. Mm-hmm. But Myra defends him. She says that at least he has ambition, and you know it's, you know, his ambition is to be this professional magician. You know, he's not partying all the time like all the other guys. He's just not like other boys at school. And then Donna asks if she's even talked to Stephanie since Myra dumped her brother Link. And Myra admits that she hasn't actually seen Stephanie since then. She knows that Stephanie and her brother are really close for some reason, so she just figures that she's pretty pissed at her for dumping him. The next day, as Myra was walking up to Mrs. Cotler's house, an ambulance passed her on Fear Street with the lights on. It was heading towards Mrs. Cotler's house, so she freaks out. She runs to the door to make sure that she's okay, only to find Mrs. Cotler standing there behind the screen door, holding Hazel and watching the ambulance take Mr. Kleeg out on a stretcher. Was she smiling? Myra asked what happened, and Mrs. Cotler said that he fell and broke a hip. What a shame. That must be painful. So sad. Guess he doesn't have to worry about mowing his lawn now. Okay, so now we have a time jump. Okay, it's Sunday night, and Myra is at Walker's house, welcoming him home from vacation. Walker is cute and super weird, which we've talked about. They have some chemistry, though. I mean, he tells her about his road trip to the western USA and how they saw the Grand Canyon and how he thinks he hypnotized a donkey when she responds with, you're kidding! And he's like, yeah, I am. That never happened. Want to see a card trick? Okay. (laughs) And like, as this super cringy thing is happening like, in our universe, Myra's actually lapping this shit up. She loves it. She even points out that, like, she never noticed how big his hands were before. And where this would have been a perfect opening for Walker to jump on the, well, you know what they say, train. Instead, he says that big hands are good for a magician to have. Because he can palm a rabbit. Palm a rabbit? Why would he need to do that? 
I... He's so weird. So eventually, Myra cuts the impromptu magic show short and like makes him take her out for pizza. At the restaurant, there is like more awkward magic tricks and adorable banter. Walker notices that she's not wearing the beads he gave her. And she explained about what happened with the cat and that Miss Cotler was going to restring them for her. They talk about Walker's road trip and then Walker apologizes for their last date. I guess there was like some serious like kissing and that Myra was into it and that he's kind of shy. So she was trying to push him to do like more than just kissing. Um, but he kind of crapped out. And he says that, you know, he... Myra's the aggressor. Like, he's weird. She's the aggressor. I don't know what she sees in him, honestly. Link over here might be an idiot, but he's not, like, painfully awkward. He just wants to make sure that, like, he didn't get her into trouble by, like, bringing her home late. And she assures him she's fine. And they finish the pizza and walk out of the restaurant. That night, when Myra gets home, Mom has fallen asleep in her chair in the living room. She asked if she had a good date. Myra said that it was a good date. And we discovered that Mom doesn't really care for Walker. She likes Link. In fact, Link called for Myra while she was out on her date. And Mom just said that she was out. She didn't mention that she was on a date. But Myra just rolls her eyes at her mom. She heads up to bed. And this is the first night that she has the dream. She's walking. The dream. The dream. In the dream, she's walking, but it's cold and it's blue. There is, there's blue all around her. And she realizes that she's stepping into the lake, but she's not sinking. She's, she's not moving below the water's surface. She's walking on top of it. And in fact, she can progress very far into the lake walking on the water's surface and she feels like someone is watching her from the shore but then she wakes up she's not in her room she's on the front lawn in her nightgown and the front door is wide open so now she's jesus What kind of book is this? (laughs) Danielle, have you ever slept walk or knew someone who did? I never have. I don't. I know a few people who have, but like no one was like a chronic. It was like a one time like I took drugs, you know, and I was awake, you know, like you took Valium or, you know, something. Yeah. And it like freaked you out, you know, but I've never, mm -mm, never. I always just think Sissy of will sometimes destroy the house. <laughs> right. Well, and then there's that comedian that um, talks about his like chronic sleepwalking and how he had to like zip himself up in a sleeping bag to keep mm-hmm. himself from leaving, from like getting up and leaving. Oh, wow. But yeah, no, I've, I don't think I've ever sleptwalk. Certainly not like this. Mm-hmm. Not where you like wake up yeah. someplace, right? That would be yeah, terrifying. No. It's like Moon Knight. He has to chain himself to the bed. <laughs> so, okay, so now it's the next day. We've just had this sleepwalking episode. Uh, Myra's just finishing up lunch with Miss Cotler, 
and she's she's pretty shook up by the sleepwalking thing and she should be it's weird like she's she's kind of trying to go back over it in her head she's never slept walked before i mean was this like an important dream or something like what if something had happened to her when she was walking around she needed to talk to somebody about this so she asked miss cotler if she knows anything about sleepwalking but all miss cotler will say is that sleepwalking is very mysterious Okay. Helpful. Mm -hmm. So after work, Myra heads over to Donna's house to talk about it with her, but she's not there. And what happens now is very confusing to me. I wasn't sure if this was like part of a dream or what was going on. But when Myra leaves Donna's house, she has this surreal walk through town. She passes some like creepy kids playing outside, like kind of giggling and telling each other's ghost stories about Fear Cemetery. She passes a house where some dude who looks like a bodybuilder steps out and seems to recognize her and then chases her down the street to the bus stop where she escapes onto an empty city bus. And then she rides to the Division Street Mall. And I'm like, what? But apparently this all happened. Like, it's all real. It was just a weird string of events. No so idea. This all happened. It all happened. So when okay. when she gets to the mall, she's obviously creeped out. Like, what has just happened is real strange. And mm. there's not many people there. So she walks to the pizza restaurant and she finds Walker holding hands and sharing pizza with Suki Thomas. Kind of a name is that? Okay. So we've talked about Suki before. She makes appearances in like a number of other books um, because in the first few books, right. So like in the first few books, Stein did, um, I don't think he maybe understood like how long the series was going to be. So he had a, a, a fair amount of character crossover, right? These characters from other books make like little like uh, cameos. In different books. But Suki comes up quite a bit because she's kind of a hoe. Like she's the, <laughs> she's the high school bicycle. So anytime he needs like a token like slut character, Suki gets tossed in. And um, I think her book where she's actually a character character, I think is um, is the overnight, which I believe is book two or three. Did we read that in one? this series? We haven't, but I have it, so we can we can uh, we can go through it. But yeah, she comes up quite a bit. So he's sitting there with Suki Thomas, who's a hoe, which is weird because Walker is this like shy, non-aggressor dude, and um, our girl charges right in to confront them. Which okay, I had to think about this a minute because I've been cheated on a lot. But I've never, like, caught someone in the process of cheating, like, passed or refuted. Like, I've never, like, caught the act of it. I've walked into this, like, questionable situations that later found out something was happening. Um, but never, like, undeniable proof, right? These two are sitting in a booth. They're holding hands. They're eating pizza. I don't know. Would you? It's just pizza. It's just pizza. Yes. <laughs> it's just pizza. Um, would you confront them? Like our girl is doing, like march straight up and say, what the hell? Or would you just like fade into the background and be like, well, that's over. I'm going to break up with them the next time I see them. 
I don't what would know. you do? I feel like part of me feels like I would confront them. Like you think so? Just, You'd be angry enough to do it. Cause like some big old scene, but I would be like, kind of like, "Hello, how are you today? Hope all is well." You know, just like, kind of let them know that you saw them. Like I know, like you know that I know, kind of a thing. Like I know, and you enjoy your life before I take it away. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Hope this pizza was delicious. <laughs> So yeah, you know, so she marches. Kind of yeah, I don't know if I could. I'd probably I'd go the passive route, and I'd be like, "All right, mental pictures, mental pictures, mental pictures, bring it on!" Like I would need to prepare yeah. my argument because I'm not super great in confrontations on the fly. If I've had some time no to argument. think about what I want to say, I would be like, yeah. "You can go fuck yourself because of X, Y, and Z." I'm. Mm-hmm better than you are because of x y and z and you should feel like shit and i don't really care about that goodbye like i need time (laughs) yeah but but get this so she she marches up there and she's like what the fuck and walker says that you know he was at just at the mall like they kind of jump apart from each other and he's like i was you know, just here at the mall, I ran into Suki, and, like, she seen we were talking. She was hungry. I was hungry. So then we decided to get some pizza together. Um, you know. And Myra's like, okay, cool. So then why the hell are you holding hands? And Walker says, oh, you know, <laughs> it probably looked like that. But he was just showing her a magic trick. Oh. Is that how we do magic now? I, I I mean, I know of one magic trick that he could maybe be showing her. It's a disappearing <laughs> thing. Um, but ta-da. it's such a ta-da! It's such a lame excuse um, that Holy. Myra decides that it's so bad it must be the truth. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no one would ever say this ever. Um, so she just decides like to believe it. But she's still kind of salty, right? She refuses to let him take her home. And that night, uh, mom asks, you know, how her day was. Mara's like, well, it was kind of stupid. I'm going to go up and go to bed. And mom's like, well, you know, should I lock you in there just in case you sleepwalk again? And Mara's like, you know, it's not a joke. And mom's like, well, but I'm not being funny. Like a lot of people get hurt sometimes when they sleepwalk. So they're talking about what to do about this new sleepwalking thing that's happening when the doorbell rings. It's Stephanie. Stephanie is Link's sister. Link is the ex-boyfriend. She asks if she can talk to Myra and says that, you know, sure, they can go up to Myra's room. Myra's a little bit nervous. She hasn't talked to Stephanie since she dumped her brother. Um, And she doesn't have really the first clue as to why Stephanie is there. But she's there to tell Myra that Link is a mess without her and that she broke up with him for no reason and now she needs to give him another chance. Myra tells Stephanie in very calm terms to go fuck herself. Link is too immature for Myra and that it's over. It's over. It's been over. She's with Walker now. Everybody just needs to get over it. 
Stephanie says something like, you'll be sorry, and she walks out of Myra's room uh, and then out the front door, but not before taking one of Myra's scarves with her on the way out. That night, Myra has the dream again. She's surrounded by calming colors of blue, and she's doing her Jesus walk across the lake. She had that same feeling that someone was watching her from shore, but she just can't figure out who it is. And then when she wakes up, or at least she thinks she does, she's so cold. She's in her nightgown. What the hell? She's standing in a puddle. There's an old Victorian house in front of her that seems familiar, but she's not sure where she is. She looks out into the street and tries to stay calm. Okay, definitely not her street. She doesn't know any of these houses. She picks up the hem of her nightgown and she walks toward the only street light at the intersection. She can see from the distance that there is a green street sign on a bent post, but she can't read it from where she's standing. So she starts to head towards the sign, taking in all the older houses as she passes until the letters come into view. Danielle. Care to guess what street she's on? Fear Street. <laughs> she is on Fear Street. Very on brand. She's just starting to understand that she literally swept walk all the way to Fear Street from her house, which is many blocks away, when a cop shows up and asks if she's okay and if she needs a ride home. When they get back to Myra's house, Mom runs out in her nightgown to make sure that she's okay, and then she takes her into the kitchen and makes her some tea. And Myra tells Mom everything she can remember about the dream. But Mom says that she's not really sure what any of this means. And that Dr. Stern, who is on vacation this week, is a sleep specialist at her hospital. And when he gets back, they'll go and see him and they'll get some answers. The next morning, Walker comes over to Myra's house to see her before she heads off for work. She told him about the sleepwalking the night before, and he came over and he was concerned about her. She told him exactly what happens in the dream. And he agrees that it's all super weird. And hey, you know what? He should try to hypnotize her. He's been practicing. He's pretty sure he can do it. You know, he can, he can find some answers out through this hypnotism, why she keeps having this dream. And she says that, you know, she's not really interested in having him hypnotize her, thank you very much, and that she and mom are going to go see a specialist as soon as they can. So they kind of sit there for a minute, and Myra is kind of hoping that Walker will make a move and, like, kiss her or something, but he doesn't. He does ask if he can walk with her to work. When Myra gets to Miss Cotler's house, no one answers the door. Myra lets herself in, calling out for Miss Cotler, but she's not getting a response. Hazel comes padding in, and she looks at Myra like she's some kind of intruder who's come to rob the place. Myra decided to check upstairs to make sure that everything is all right and that Miss Cotler had not fallen down or something. I mean, she's an old lady. And when she gets to her bedroom, she hears the shower running in the adjoining bathroom. 
As she passes Miss Cotler's nightstand, she sees one of those long black tapered candles on top of it and that it's been burned almost all the way down to a stub. And next to the burnt candle is a small jewelry box that held all the blue beads from Myra's necklace. She hadn't even started to restring them. It was so strange. Just then, Miss Cotler comes out of the shower and apologizes for oversleeping. She says that Myra looks tired and she asks if she's been getting enough sleep. She even suggests that Myra's mother put her to bed earlier. So I guess Miss Cotler does know that Myra's mother was her nurse. This was like a little tongue-in-cheek thing that she said about her mother. It was raining that afternoon, so instead of taking their walk, Mrs. Cotler asked for Myra to do some extra reading, which was fine. She was enjoying the book. And Myra, excuse me, walking home that afternoon, Myra heard someone call to her on the street. It's Link. He offers to give her a ride since it's raining, and he promises, uh, you know, he's not going to ask her out or make a move or anything. She's like, okay, fine. So she gets in his truck, and of course, the second he gets in there, he starts flirting with her. And to be fair, Myra is like noticing how good Link is looking today, right? She keeps talking about how he's, or excuse me, she keeps thinking about how he's so tan. Ah, uh, seriously, that's a line from the book that she says. He's so tan. So tan. It's well, I think that it's very on brand for 1990. Like, everyone's obsessed with the beach, and Saved by the Bell, and being tan and blonde was kind of a thing. Although he's not blonde, but the tan was important. So, you know, she's vibing with him a little bit. They talk and they laugh on the ride home. And when Link senses that Myra is enjoying herself, he suggests that they take a drive up to River Road, which I guess is the makeout spot, uh, to talk. He doesn't want to make out though, Danielle. He wants to talk. He just wants to talk to her. You know, that just seems like a very logical place to go to not make out. But Myra knows that this is wrong. Okay, this feels gross. She has a boyfriend. Just drop her off at her house. Link clams up and Myra seems to think that he's really pissed at being rejected again. And without another word be between them, he drops her off and she sees Donna sitting on the porch. Donna asks, uh, if that was Link that just dropped Myra off, and she confirms it, but she also tells her just change the subject. Donna asks how work went, and Myra said that it was weird, and as they go into the house, Donna said some weird guy, who had like a ton of muscles, came by the house looking for Myra when Donna was waiting for her. She said that he wanted to talk to her, and that Mrs. Cotler had given him her address. Myra, of course, knows this to be that weird guy that was yelling at her and running down the street after her. And as they move into the kitchen for a snack, Donna says that she saw Walker earlier at the mall, and he told her about Myra's latest sleepwalking incident. Donna asks if she knows what's causing the sleepwalking episodes yet, and Myra says that she's not really sure, but she has a theory. Myra says that she thinks Mrs. Cotler is a witch and she's casting a spell on her to make her sleepwalk. Donna 
laughs at this notion because, as you'll remember, she is our skeptic. Little time jump here after this conversation. Uh, now Myra and Mom and Kim, they have all gone to the lake for the weekend. Mom is trying to get everybody away and relax. Try not to talk about heavy stuff this weekend, okay? Because, see, if we just ignore emotional problems, they go away. That's how that works. I mean, that's that's how it goes, guys. Yeah. Yeah, just go to the lake. Don't talk about it. Everything's fine. Okay. I mean, I subscribe Uh, to that. That's my COVID strategy is we just don't talk about it anymore. Absolutely, 100%. Well, so mom has actually allowed her to bring Donna with them. And they're just kind of hanging out, talking, and and Kim, their little sister, makes this friend uh, on the beach. There's a little boy there there with his family. He's probably like six-ish. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And they're just playing, you know, they're digging holes, and they're running back and forth on on the beach. She's finally starting to relax. She asks her mom if she can quit her job with Miss Collar. And her mom's like, okay, well, why? Why do you want to quit? And Myra knows she can't say, well, because I think she's a witch who's casting a spell on me to make me sleepwalk. So instead, she's like, I don't know. I just kind of want to quit. And her mom's like, well, that's that's not good enough. Like, we need the money. It's an easy job. Like, you need to, if you don't have a real reason, then you need to kind of stick it out. And right after mom has told her to keep her, Yes. And right after mom has told her to keep her job, the little boy that they befriended had a little toy car that he's playing with. And he shows them the car and he throws it into the lake and he says, look, it floats. And as soon as the car hits the water, Myra loses her ever loving mind. She, she clamps her hands over her ears and she starts shaking and swaying and saying, no, 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 over and over again. It took them like 10 minutes to calm her ass down and she has no idea why. Jeez. The following Monday, Myra and Donna are driving together in the car. And I think what's happening here is that Donna has an orthodontist appointment and her orthodontist lives like kind of a little bit out of the way like she can't take the bus there there's no bus stops close so Myra's mom has offered to like loan her um like their spare car so she can drive to this orthodontist appointment and since she's going coming to borrow the car anyways she just offers to drive Myra over to Miss Collar's so she drives Myra over she drops her off she goes off to her um appointment So when Myra gets to Mrs. Cotler's house, Mrs. Cotler tells her that she has to go away for a few days to visit her sister in Vermont and that she won't need Myra to work her normal schedule, but that she will still pay her her normal salary to come to the house each day while she's gone, feed the cat, water the plants, bring in the mail. Simple. Myra's actually thrilled because she doesn't want to really be around Mrs. Cotler. Things are getting weird. You know, she wanted to quit, but now she's going to get paid for not being around her. Mrs. Cotler, this whole time she's having this conversation with Myra, is chopping away with a huge cleaver on a cutting board in her kitchen. And Myra gets a little closer to see what she's chopping 
and it looks like a human hand. Ew. And while explaining to her what she wants her to do while she's gone, Mrs. Cotler never stops chopping. Chop, 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 chop. And Myra knows that sometimes she makes things up in her mind, so she asks Miss Cotler what she's cutting. And Miss Cotler says, it's pig's knuckles. Hasn't she ever seen pig's knuckles? Her sister loves them. She's going to bring some for her. What the fuck is pig's knuckles? I think I actually have seen those before. Like, my grandma may have cooked them. Like, not for me, but, like, in like soup you know like in in stuff they kind of look they kind of look like they kind of a balled up fist they kind of do i am from the south i have seen chicken feet in gumbo i have seen pickled pig's feet i don't have the first clue what pig's knuckles are they're not pleasant do they look like a human hand? If I'm remembering them right, they did kind of look like a little fist. All right. You know? I, I, I have to Google. Hang on. Pigs. Do I want to know? Yeah. Snuckles. Mm-hmm. Like a little Images. Fist. Oh, Prime delivers them, apparently. Get some. See, that looks like pig's feet to me. Yeah. It's just maybe it's that's a regional thing, like what they're called. Maybe they call it that instead of pig's feet. It looks like pig's feet to me. Yeah, that's what that looks like. Skin on. Yeah, that looks like pig's feet. It does not look like a human hand. No. Well, okay, maybe. If the toes are still on. Well, just, Ew. yeah, if you're already kind of, like, freaked out, and then you're like, ooh, what's the, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's it's pretty grody looking, I guess. Um, so, anywho, so, chop, 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 I'm going out of town, need you to watch the house, cool. So, Myra gets home that afternoon, mom calls. Donna was in a horrible car accident. Myra calls the hospital. Donna says she's okay. She has a broken leg, a broken wrist, and some bruised ribs, but she's alive. And before she passes out from the painkillers that they've just given her, Donna tells Myra she was attacked on the road. Someone in a red pickup truck bumped her from behind and then pushed her off the road into a cement barrier. And that's all she can say before the pain meds take her away and she gets off the phone. And of course, Myra jumps to the most ridiculous conclusion possible. The only person she knows with a red truck is Link. Must have been him. He must have been very mad still about their breakup. Okay, Myra, or it could be literally anyone else. Who drives a red truck? There's some of them about. But whatever. She's decided it's Link. Link's the threat. Yeah, it could be anyone <clears throat> in the whole town. Who drives a red, a red truck? truck. Yeah. But Unless she knows. Link is really, 
Unless Link is literally the only human soul with a red truck in town, then that would be maybe. weird. Sometimes yeah. in the car with the kids, we play the white truck game, and we see how many oh. white trucks we can count. There's a lot. <laughs> Myra heads over to Walker's house to tell him about like what's been going on, get him caught up, and Walker. I'm not sure Walker's that into Myra. Like, he seems happy to see her. Kinda. But Myra is the one making all the moves here. And I know some people think that's, like, cute and charming. But it's a huge put-off for me. And, like, they talk in a den. She tells him everything. All about her theory. And about Miss Kotler being a witch. And Walker immediately agrees with her. Right? He says witches are a real thing. And that her being gone will give the two of them the perfect opportunity to snoop through Mrs. Cotler's house and find out what's really going on here. So the next day, Myra takes Walker to work. Hazel actually seems to be happy to see her, but that's probably because she's a cat and, you know, her she can see the bottom of her food bowl. That's what happens. Myra and Walker start to search the house. They're going through Mrs. Cotler's collection and they, they come to the library. They discover that Miss Cotler has a whole wall of books that are dedicated to the occult. And there's even some books on sleepwalking. This is confirmation for Myra. Miss Cotler is a thousand percent a witch. She's going to go upstairs. She's going to get her beads back. And then she is definitely quitting this job. She passes the study on the way up to Miss Cotler's room. And there on the desk are two framed photos. It's Stephanie and Link. They're school photos from this year. And they find a card on the desk that says, Happy Birthday, Aunt Lucy. Myra's ex-boyfriend and his sister are Mrs. Cotler's niece and nephew. Okay, that's it. We out. But not before we get those beads. So they go up to Miss Cotler's room, but the beads are gone. And there's a fade out. <clears throat> She's going to fuck you up. She's got your beads. <laughs> a lot of sexy references in this one the next day Myra goes to visit Donna in the hospital and catch her up on everything that's been going on all the evidence that they found at Miss Cotler's house and why she's definitely a witch um, but Donna can't believe that Myra and Walker have jumped to this ridiculous conclusion she points out that the only thing that they found is that Mrs. Cotler likes to research the occult and that she's related to Stephanie and Link that's it. But that's all the sense she can talk and talk to Myra before she shoot out of the room for the end of visiting hours. On the bus ride home, Myra decides that she's going to go over to Stephanie's house and confront her. For some reason, it makes sense to her that if she can outright accuse Stephanie and her aunt of being a witch and making her sleepwalk, that they will have to stop for some reason? Okay.
So she gets to Stephanie's house. No one answers the door. Naturally, it's unlocked. So she lets herself in. And she walks into the dark living room and she finds Stephanie sitting crisscross applesauce in front of a large white circle on the floor. There's various objects inside the circle and there's three flickering candles as the only light source in the room. Stephanie is chanting something over and over until she notices that she's not alone. And she looks over her shoulder and asks Myra what the hell she's doing in her house. Right? Myra starts acting like a crazy bitch now. She starts yelling at Stephanie that she knows that she is a witch. And she knows that Mrs. Cotler is her aunt and that she's a witch too. And the two of them have been conspiring to put spells on Myra and make her sleepwalk because reasons because reasons. that she knows of and okay. Stephanie <laughs> I, I kind of love I love Stephanie she backs her up real quick right Stephanie lets loose she's like look I'm a spooky bitch I'm into the occult I'm just fooling around here here, take your ugly scarf with you that you think I'm using to, like, hex you or whatever. I was just using it to keep the hair out of my face. And, yes, I am related to Miss Cotler because I'm the one who freaking told you about the job. But you must have not been listening. And Myra asks Stephanie why she's being so mean to her. And Stephanie is like, bitch, you just walked into my house. And called me a witch. Right. And then Stephanie asks, you know, what is, like, what is this all about? Like, are you here trying to get back with my brother because Walker dumped you? And Myra's like, no, Walker hasn't dumped me. That's not why I'm here. And Stephanie says, well, he has dumped you. Everybody knows he's going with Suki Thomas now. And she's like, no, that's not true. You're just making things up to be hurtful, you know. And by the way, I know it was Link who tried to kill Donna in his red truck and ran her off the road. And Stephanie's like, you have lost your damn mind. You need to leave. And as they're walking out, Link pulls up in his truck, which is not damaged, by the way. And he's like, okay. hey, you know, what's... So going on and she's like I could be having a breakdown <laughs> and then she just kind of starts to walk home she's like reality is not lining up for me that I night feel like her yeah right it's like what is happening right now that night she has the dream again but this time she can see who is standing on the lake shore it's Walker. And as soon as she realizes that, she begins, to, yeah, he probably is. He's got the rings. <laughs> but as soon as she realizes that it's Walker, she begins to fall into the water. She can no longer walk on the surface. And not only that, her limbs are kind of frozen. Like she can't swim for some reason. And the water is pulling her under, pulling her deeper, and she can't 
breathe. She feels the water entering her lungs. And for a moment, it's just quiet at the bottom of the lake all around her. Till she wakes up. Only to realize she still can't breathe. Cold water is pulling her under and she can tell that it is for real this time. Wherever she was, she was drowning. Until strong arms pulled her to the surface. It was a night fisherman. He gets him into her boat and he's like, are you okay? Why are you out here? And she's like, why are you out here? He's like, I'm fishing. <laughs> and she says she has no idea how she got out in the middle of the lake. The next day, Myra goes to the hospital to meet with the sleep specialist, Dr. Stern. His office is in an area of the hospital where the psychiatric patients are held. And as she's walking there, she spots the big, muscly guy who chased her that day. He's wearing some kind of hospital bracelet, and Myra deduces that he must be a mental patient. And just as she decides this, he looks up and he recognizes her. And he calls out, hey, but she turns and runs, and he chases her down the hall. Now, immediately, some orderlies appear, and they drag the big dude back into the psych ward. And she's just kind of catching her breath when she realizes she stopped running right in front of Dr. Stern's office. He comes out to greet her and asks her if she wants to come in and sit down. And she really does. She needs the help of a professional. She tells him everything, right? Everything. Start to finish. And then she asks him if she thinks or if he thinks that she's crazy. If he thinks that she's having some kind of a breakdown. And he says, no, he just thinks that her subconscious is trying to work through something. And that sleepwalking is the, is the symptom. It's the result of whatever it is that she's trying to figure out. He takes out a pad. He writes her a prescription for a mild sedative. And he tells her that really the best thing that she can do is go home and get some rest. Thank you, Dr. Stern. On the way out of the hospital, Myra stops to visit Donna and tells her all about nearly drowning the night before. And she's talking to Myra and she gets this idea, right? This has to stop. So she thinks the only way to do this is she wants to go to Fear Lake tonight. It's the place where she always is in her dreams. Maybe if she goes there at night, she'll get some answers. The lake will somehow tell her something. So when she gets home, she calls Walker to see if he wants to go out to the lake with her. But he seems confused about why she thinks this will help. And why she thinks that, like, you know, walking around Fear Lake at night sounds like a good idea. But he can't go anyway because, you know, he has to babysit. He made a promise that he would babysit. So, mm -hmm. sorry. But Myra is determined, so she goes without him. It's almost a full moon, and the air around the surrounding lake is muggy, and there are mosquitoes goddamn everywhere. Myra walks up to the lake shore and just kind of looks out at the water for a moment. And before she can take her, uh, her shoes off to dip her toe in, Myra, what are you doing? Stop trying to dip your toe in. She hears approaching footsteps 
and naturally she calls out, who's there? Who's at the lake, Danielle? Harry Potter. Expecto Patronum! Exactly. Is that what happened? Agreed. That would be better. <laughs> it's Link. Link says that he saw Myra walking into the woods when he was driving his truck on Fear Street. And when she asks him why he would come after her all the way out here, he explains that he had no idea what she thought she was doing. She's lived in Shadyside a long time. She should know by now not to go walking around in Fear Woods alone at night. Fair point, Link. You have mm -hmm. a point. But Myra is freaked out by seeing him there. Like, she doesn't trust him. So she lies and she's like, yeah, Walker's coming to meet me. We're going to make out pretty hot and heavy here on this beach. But Link calls her on it. He's like, this isn't like a makeout spot. Like, this isn't convenient. No one would come here to hook up. And he's kind of worried about her. And can they just, like, go somewhere and talk? He misses her so much. And... She's like, you know what? Just just fuck off. Like, I don't want you here. Go back to where you came from. And he gets mad. He says he's not leaving until she admits that she misses him, too. And he goes in for this, like, very predatory, like, aggressive kiss. And before he can even make contact with her face, Myra punches him in the ear. And she doesn't really know where to go. Yeah, to get away. She's just trying to get him off her. So she's not sure where to go to get away from him, though, because they're kind of, like, on this lake shore. Like, she can't go hide in the woods. Like, he would catch her if she ran in any direction. The only way she can get away from him is to jump into the water. So she jumps off the dock into the freezing water, and she has this immediate and massive flashback. One month ago. She remembers one month ago, that horrible night, and she stumbles out of the water in a daze and asks Link to take her home. She lets him direct her through the woods and then to the car, and she says nothing to him when she gets out at her house. She goes in and up to her bed. She puts on her nightgown and sits down. And she's trying to grab onto her fast-moving memories so she can put them in order and make sense of them. A month ago, she was on her third date with Walker. He was in a really weird mood. Some kids had made fun of him about the whole magic thing at school all day long, and he was pissy about it. He was acting a little crazy, in fact, and when they walked out of the movie theater into the mall parking lot, Walker starts looking into the windows of cars, and he finds an Oldsmobile with the key still in it. He suggests that they borrow this car and take it for a ride. And Myra tells him, no fucking way. You're nuts. We're not stealing a car. This is our third date. Maybe let's just go make out. But Walker just laughs and he says, you know, he's just joking. This is his mom's car. He set this whole thing up with the key in it. He's just fucking with her. He tells her to get in. Can't believe she fell for it. But you know what? He's a really good actor. And you have to be a good actor when you're going to be a famous magician. So, stop talking about being a magician, Walker. Um, 
Walker gets in the car. He's... Go ahead. He's going to live his dreams. He's going to live his David fucking Copperfield dreams. Um... So Walker gets in the car. He slides the driver's seat all the way back and puts the car into gear and he takes off. And he's driving like an asshole, right? He's driving super fast, he's burning through red lights and then Myra realizes something. He had to push the seat back. If this was his mom's car that he drove to meet her at the mall, he shouldn't have had to adjust the seat. And she calls him out on it and he admits that they've just stolen a car. Walker, gets this like wild look in his eyes and he says they should see what's going out what's going on on river road and he floors the gas myra screams at him to let her out but he just laughs and he takes the corner on the riverbank at high speed just as a yellow car is coming around the bend on the opposite side the osmobile hits the yellow car on its driver's side and the yellow car is knocked off of the road and down the cliffside into the river. Walker and Myra slowly get out of their wrecked car and Myra goes to the edge to look over for the yellow car. She can hear two men screaming in the wreckage as the car begins to sink into the river. One of the men has made it out of the passenger side but he was screaming for help for the other man who was left in the car. And Myra starts yelling at Walker that they have to help them. But Walker just takes her back to the Oldsmobile, puts her in, because she's still pretty dazed about the wreck that just happened. Walker starts the car, and they drive away. But then what happened? She can't remember. She can't remember what happens next. And at that moment, Walker calls her to check on her. And Myra gets an idea. She makes a date with him for the following day. So they agree to meet at Miss Cotler's house after Myra feeds the cat. And when Walker knocks on the back door, she suggests that, you know what, it's such a nice day. Let's go down by the lake. They sit and Walker starts to kiss her, but she pushes him away. And she says that, you know, she's feeling so tired. And you remember once he offered to hypnotize her to, you know, help her relax. You know, could he do that again? Could he, could he try? to hypnotize her and of course he immediately agrees he's excited he says you know what I'm actually I'm really good at this hypnotizing thing I helped my cousin stop smoking like a month ago I can totally do this so he takes out a lighter and he does that thing where it's like watch the flame right watch the flame go back and forth and he and when he feels like she's sufficiently under hypnosis he tells her that when she wakes up she's gonna feel refreshed She's gonna feel like she's just had a long night's sleep. She's gonna feel so much better. She's not gonna stress out about things and she's not going to remember the car accident with him a month ago. And Myra screams at him. She was only pretending. She wanted to know what happened next and that's when she remembered he drove them from the wreck and hypnotized her to forget. To forget that they ever stole a car and ran people off the road and possibly killed them. Walker admits it. In fact, he says he read in the paper the next day that one of the men in the car did die and he knew that he had done the right thing. 
I mean, he couldn't go letting her tell the cops what he had done. He was gonna be a famous magician. When Myra accused him of never caring about her personally, he says, you know what, he's, she's right about that too. In fact, everybody knows that he's been going with Suki for some time now, but he's only been playing with her to make sure that the memory of the car accident never came back. He grabs her by the waist and he starts to walk her into the lake. She fights him, but he keeps telling her how he can't let her ruin his life. And he pushes her under the water. She's drowning. She is fighting him, but he's just, he's much stronger than her. And after a while, she realizes this is it. She's dying. And then the pressure on her shoulder just releases. She pushes her head up over the water and she gasps for air. She can see that close to her on the shore, Walker is struggling with something. It's Hazel. Mrs. Cotler's cat is all but trying to scratch his eyes out. But Myra thinks quickly and she sees this as her opportunity. So she takes off running towards the house. She locks the doors behind her, immediately calls the cops. But then something weird happens. She, she walks into the kitchen. She sees Hazel in the kitchen. How did she get there so fast? She was just at the lake fighting off Walker. She doesn't have much of an opportunity to suss it out though, because right then a rock flies through the kitchen window and a bloody and scratched up Walker climbs through. Myra pulls the big meat cleaver that Mrs. Cotler was using to chop pig knuckles the other day off of the counter and she's holding it out at Walker and she's telling him to stay away. It's all over. The cops are called. They're already on her way. And Walker says she shouldn't have done that. When the big muscle guy, the mental patient, breaks into the back door of the kitchen. What the hell? She is surrounded on all sides now. Walker is at her back and the mental patient is at her front. And the mental patient is carrying a cane that he points at them. Turns out this big dude that's been chasing her around was the other guy in the yellow car that they pushed off the road. They killed his brother and he's been trying to scare Myra. He tried to push her mom's car off the road when, with his truck, but then he had some sort of realization that Myra was not responsible for the death. Maybe he, I don't know, found out somehow that she wasn't driving or something and that it was actually Walker that he was after. And he rushes past her and form tackles Walker to the ground. And he's pushing his cane down on his throat and he's about to break this dude's neck when the cops show up and ask what the fuck is going on, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm asking the same thing. <laughs> okay. So then there's a fade out. We assume all the parties are taken to jail. I don't know. It doesn't say. They're at least given a very good talking to, I'm sure. And Link and Myra are talking. They're either one of their houses. They are totally getting back together because he's kissing her and she's letting him. And there's talk about how worried he was about her this whole time. 
I mean, he knew that Walker was bad news. He just didn't know he was a psychopath. And that his aunt, Mrs. Kotler, is a renowned PhD on the subject of the occult. So he leaves to take uh, Myra to his aunt's house for work the next morning. And when they get there, she sees that Mrs. Kotler has restrung her beads for her. And also that Hazel seems to be looking at her with knowing eyes. But the mystery of Hazel will have to be investigated another time. And that's how it ends. That is interesting. I did not see it going there. What were you thinking? I just thought it was going to be one of the boys more. You know, like someone usually super obvious. Like not like a, you know, usually it's someone in the inner circle. You right. Know? And we're I all don't know. outsider. After Monster Blood, I kept waiting for the cat to like be somebody. Yeah, but the cat wasn't. Well, there are more monster blood, so maybe the cat is somebody. So, yeah, not where you thought it was going, huh? Mm. Yeah. It was not where I was expecting. It was a good one, though. Did, it was fun. It was a good one. I liked it, too. I feel like in these early books, it was more about writing things in a cinematic way than in a um, kind of token way. I mean, after a while, it feels like he has a template. Yeah. Um, so in these early books, you really get a lot more grit. Like, I feel like he's more in it to win it mm-hmm. than some of the later ones, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I don't think I ever, ex- like, suspected Mrs. Cotler. I kind of want to be Mrs. Cotler when I grow up. Like, <laughs> she's this witchy old bitch in, like, a huge Victorian mansion with, like, all the tchotchkes in the world. And someone comes and reads to her every day. Like... That's that's the end game right there. That is the it goal. Of, um, it reminds me of what is that freaking movie or book? Little Women, because <laughs> isn't that Joe's job? Like she goes and reads. Yeah, to she that has to go and read to her. Yeah, and, and she, she falls asleep it. every time. She, yeah, but and then she reads other books after she that she wants to read because she's rich and has you know all the books. So, all the books. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and she did voices and stuff, I remember. I would have liked that job. Yeah. Just unless they were really grumpy, then maybe not. But <laughs> right. I think that I would, I think it would take me a while to warm up because I think that I'd probably be nervous in the beginning and I'd be stumbling all over the place, especially if it's a hard book yeah. like um, Dickens. Like she's reading Dickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. So, yeah, good times. Good that was time. a good one. I mean, it, Dad's made me sleepy, which is on brand, <laughs> I feel, for this book. Um, although I'm not going <laughs> to sleepwalk, and I never do. But um, Yeah, don't yeah, do that. Good. Have yeah. you – so the next time we get together, it'll be Just Beyond from you? Yes. I have to watch it still. This week was a disaster. Huzzah. No worries. Yeah, we'll just we just let me know when you're. Yeah, should be ready. next. I should be able to get it done this weekend. And cool, then cool. I'll start working on a book. Yeah. Well, we'll, well 
yeah, we'll we'll get that all figured out. So everybody look forward to um, next be excuse me, just beyond for the next one coming from Danielle. Um, mm -hmm. And we really don't have anything to plug. I mean, we have all the things everybody should know by now. If you're here by now, uh, mm -hmm. you know you can find us on Twitter and you can join the you can you can't join the Facebook group, but you can like the page on like Facebook page. because it's not technically a group because I don't have time to moderate that shit. Um, if it's yeah. Oops. If we felt like it, maybe next, maybe someday, but <laughs> we just don't right have the time. Cause like once it's yeah. a group, like people can post things and then you have to like yeah. moderate. Right. So we just yeah. don't have the time currently, yep. uh, but you can find us there. If you want early episodes, as soon as I'm done editing them, instead of having to wait uh, till I release them, you can go over to Patreon and you can check that out. There are many levels. We don't always do a wonderful job of keeping up with Patreon, but we are very, very grateful for the people that um, do contribute to keep the show going so that we don't have to pay for our hobby, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. We appreciate um, you. We appreciate you and we love you. And just, you know, I'm not even going to say give us reviews. Just tell somebody. Do you like the show? Yeah. Do you want to share that with someone? <laughs> just tell somebody and see if they can, like, get on board uh, with oh, what yeah. we're doing we here. We did 20,000, right? Was that 20,000? We did. Yeah, we hit 20,000 downloads. And um, we're That's approaching great. the 5,000 mark at Twitter for followers. Right. Um. So I'm seeing I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing slow growth, but I'm seeing growth. So I know there's some new people here, um, which is yeah. cool. Welcome. Um, we appreciate twenty thousand downloads. Very. We much. really do. We really do. This is a silly little hobby thing that we do. So we like that you like it, and uh, we're gonna keep doing it for as long as we as we can. So. Yeah. Let's see. Until Christy runs out of books, because Goosebumps is still going, so I'll never run out. But Christy, never. <laughs> I don't think I will. I feel like there's hundreds, and then he's done a new series. There's oh, the has, seniors. There series? Okay. Like we haven't like committed to a actual like series within the series yet. We did those three for um, the haunted house one. We did those three back to back. But I think there's like seven in the saga. Goosebumps is never ending. And then there's a new Goosebumps. <laughs> I know there was. I know there was, there was a 25th anniversary set, but that's old now. Well, not old, but it's. I feel like there's even a newer. You is know, it the show one. you're thinking of? Because I thought they were going to retool the show. No, no, no. I just saw it in an article the other day and it was like, there's a new goosebumps coming out for some anniversary. So I know there is an anniversary coming up, but um, I can't find it. It's a slappy book. Of course. Let's see. Okay. Can I make some people very angry? I found it. I found it. It okay. is goosebumps. 30 years. Yes. So 30, this year, 2022, is 30 years of Goosebumps because it was back in 1992. And they are coming out with a 30th anniversary, a book called Slappy Beware. And that's like, this is the untold story of Slappy. Great. So, 
if it's one I can read off um, just by itself, I may I may get it. If but I but Slappy is such a huge storyline, I have to make sure it's not one that'll be like, where are we in this? So it's a I think it's I think it's the the origin of Slappy. Okay. So if that is the case, see, I would be maybe interested in that. Yeah, it sounds like the origin because it says in this untold story of the Goosebumps icon, this is Slappy's world. But where did he come from? Slappy the ventriloquist dummy has only one mission, evil every day, all day. His power, his creator, powerful sorcerer, Darkwell the magician has warned him that he should fail to cause chaos for the sun sets each day. He will sleep forever. This is a piece of poisonous cake for Slappy, but he may have met his match in the Carlton family. Each attempt at evil ends in disaster and Slappy starts to panic. Will Slappy's scariest day bring an end to his reign of terror? <laughs> so, okay. Stein says, I like this book because it shows Slappy in a whole new light. So it's sort of like, and sounds sort of like an origin that may not need the whole thing. Cause I don't even, there's so many Slappy books because there's Slappy's story himself and then there, you know, his books. And then there's... Well, so the, but the first one was Night of the Living Dummy, right? Yes. That's the beginning. Yeah. That's the beginning okay. of... That's the introduction of Slappy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we still have not done. So that may be one I can do soon. And Well, let's wait and see. Because I'm going to... This week, I am going to put up the um, uh, announcement for the winner of the um, of the contest that we did on Twitter and Facebook. Um mm. And then that person will get to do a request. So, like, let's just wait and see okay. what it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, before before, we, yeah. before I start something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Works. So I will do that this week. Like, maybe tomorrow I'll put the spinner up and, okay. and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of interested in it. Um, but I don't – I'm not a slappy purist. I missed yeah, the train either. for slappy. Yeah. I enjoyed the favorite. story. I see mm-hmm. him more as like a crypt keeper kind of yeah. mm-hmm. horror host now, but yeah. I don't quite understand the slappy fandom. Yes, there's a huge fandom, but I think just because he's such a recurring character, like somehow he became this recurring, like, like a crypt keeper, you know, or the creep show guy, like he became, he became the face of it for some reason. And it's, I never really understood why, but I, it's such a pivotal book. Like we have to get to it, you know. So we will. But there's so many slappy books. So because we've read a couple of the slappy universe ones, like the ones that are just like his little fun. Like the Tack of the Jack was part of Slappy World, where he just did his little interjections throughout the book, which don't really translate to the podcast. But unless they're funny, you know, then I'll share them. But basically right. in those, he's like, he, in those, he introduces the book, like, ha ha ha, my stupid jokes. And then throughout the book, he'll make dumb jokes. Like he'll interject and be like, Slappy says, you know, that's Slappy World. So hmm. yeah, it's, it's interesting, but it's, yeah, never, never my favorites. Yeah, I don't get it. I'm sorry. Don't hate us. Like it's it's one of those things. Nope. You can feel free to explain it if you would like to. It's just of all our wide range of this everything that we've covered in the last two years of podcasting. It's not my favorite. No, but we will get to it. We will because I know it's we an will. important goosebumps. 
Facebook, but I like to do the other ones. I like to do a, I like to do the ones other ones first, and then ones I haven't read because then I can enjoy it at the same time. Like, oh, I haven't read this mm-hmm. one, so I I find something new. And yeah, like I said, you'll probably run out of if, if you'll run out of books before I run out of books because obviously they're still writing them, <laughs> and there's so many. So yeah, so many, so many. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. but until then, until next time, I did not write a catchy outro. Uh, no. I'm out. We are out like what? Like uh, a home run ball. <laughs> <laughs> We're out like that batter. Yep. <laughs> Bye.